It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. So I'm doing something odd in this particular series in the sense that uh, my parts to it are going to be in the studio, except for, of course, my very first piece, uh, which unfurled uh, on Sunday. Uh, and I just couldn't hold it in. I, I guess, you know, when I'm doing a lot of prep and then I also am prepping for Sunday sermons, sometimes uh, my daily thunder interests and intrigues end up slipping into that. And so I actually launched my series on Sunday, sort of an abnormal thing to do, but that's still in the daily thunder series and would have been released uh, the same way. But uh, the rest of the series on my part, maybe I shouldn't even promise that. Maybe I am going to slip back into uh, some Sunday services and add to this series. I feel like this series, Becoming Brave, is for such a time as this. Uh, It is something that each one of us, including myself, is needing to work through. How does a Christian face the climate of our day, the circumstances of our day, the crises of our day. And so I really like both the title, Becoming Brave. Of course, I, I love titles, but I love the title. It's it's meaty and it's it's masculine and it's strong. But I love this subtitle. Let me read it to you. Stunning Composure While Staring at a World Crisis. For many of us, when we stare at world crisis, it has a tendency to melt our soul. Our souls can be like candle wax before uh, a flame, and we can even feel it inside of us that it's just sort of on meltdown mode. And usually the trigger, the evidence that it's in meltdown mode is that we have this sense of anxiety, this sense of foreboding, this sense of fretting, and this sense of fear. The believer, according to scripture, is immune to these things. In other words, they have no hold on us. They have no grip on us. We could be set before a flame and our candle doesn't melt. How does that work? And so that's, in a sense, what I'm wanting to walk through because that unmeltable candle is bravery. So becoming an unmeltable candle, uh, I guess that would be one way that we could describe this series. And so uh, this all started for me when I was actually uh, speaking at a father-son gathering, and uh, they asked me to just speak on current events. And my entire passion, I I really don't like dealing with current events uh, for this exact reason, is I recognize that most people, when they are dealing with current things happening, have a tendency to spike the fear and anxiety in others. It's just sort of like misery loves its company. And so we're miserable in thinking about all the terrible things happening in the world, so we want to make other people miserable. We want to drag them down with us. It's a, I think we could just call it a human propensity. Uh, a, a human uh, thing that we all lean towards. Uh, and I'm not exactly sure why we do this because it's a very unloving thing to do. To try and drag someone else into your anxiety, your fretting, your foreboding, really not a kind thing to do to your neighbor. Which is why I think a series like this can be important is to sort of put a tag on that and say, okay, you see that voice, you hear that voice, that's what we want to know how to properly handle. But some of us are that voice, and we need to go through a changeover process so that we are not carriers of doom. So let's begin this message. So this is part two, and it's called Getting Doom-Proofed. I like it. Uh, So 
the idea of being doom-proofed, you know, the gloom and doom, it's just all over the place. I believe the believer in Jesus Christ is meant to be doom-proofed, which means it doesn't matter what has happened in the world, how dark it gets, how bad it gets, how strong the enemy appears to be. The Christian is full of joy, is full of peace, is full of love, is outward focused, not self-preserving, but self-sacrificing. That's what we're after. That's the brave life. That is the life that Jesus Christ set us free to live. So this is just a little peek inside of where we're going with this. I, I always want to reserve the right to change some of these as we progress, but it'll give you the idea of how I've already sort of created the skeleton for this series. I have a lot of unique wrinkles to this, not only my Sunday service, which was a bonus piece uh, to this, but then I've also recruited Leslie, and I hope it works out, but I'm ask, I've am asked Leslie if she could sort of once a week give a biographical sketch of someone who has modeled these behaviors that we are describing. So we'll see how that plays out. But let me give you that peek. I call this 10 facts that make believers brave. And they're all promises. You see, that is what makes us brave. That, that is where our strength and our courage comes from. It comes from God's word. So let's go through that. God promises to, number one, make you inwardly doom-proof. That's what we're talking about today. Uh, number two, give you a PhD in good news. Number three, enable you to take any hit the enemy can dish out. God promises to, number four, make you spiritually unstoppable. And number five, make you above reproach. God promises to put you on the offensive in this battle. And number seven, God promises to make you a master strategist. Number eight, God promises to build you into an athlete of mercy. Number nine, God promises to equip you to keep a Windex clean conscience. And number 10, God enable God promises you to God promises to enable you to live and die well. So we're going to unpack those in this series. And like I said, I may change some of the wording. If you've listened to previous series, sometimes I give that initial vision of where we're going, and then it slightly alters, but most of it is uh, maintained and kept intact. Uh, the subtitle, as I've mentioned already, is uh, you know, I'm a fan. Stunning composure when staring at a world crisis. Do you have that? Do you have stunning composure in your soul where others can look at you and say, how come you can be at peace right now? How come you're not panicking? How come you're not running to the gas station to fill up your gas tank? How come you're not worried about your stocks? How come you, you know, you can fill in the blank. So I'm going to give you a, a theory, uh, a way of approaching this that is very common today, and I'm going to call it the happy little clouds theory. And if you are seeing the video of this, you're going to see a picture of uh, someone you probably know well, uh, and that's Bob Ross, the painter. And uh, I, I'm not going to say he came up with this. I'm going to say that uh, he's he was a uh, proponent of it, and that is he would escape to his canvas, you know, whatever's going on in the world, and he would paint happy little clouds and happy little trees. And I have to admit, you know, he, you know, it's not a bad idea. It's probably better than staring square at the, the misery and doing nothing. I mean, a canvas with some paint and painting happy clouds and happy trees, I'm sure it's a wonderful thing. However, God wants to upgrade that. If that's your escape is you have a canvas with some paints and a paintbrush and maybe a big hairdo like Bob Ross, that's, you know, it sounds like it's the right way to handle it. At least it's better than most options. 
However, Jesus Christ has given us something at the cross that wants to elevate our game. And so I have a name for it in contrast to the happy little clouds theory, the happy heavenly cloud theory. There is a heavenly cloud of witness. There is a host that has gone before us that have trusted in the word of God. And they didn't just live triumphantly. They didn't just live vigorously, but they died vigorously. They died with smiles and songs on their faces. And that is a theory that I want to build. It's not even a theory. It's a fact. It's based on God's word that God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you till the end of the age. If he is with us, if he is for us, what can stand against us? That is an incredible foundation for us to reason from. And it's like I said, it's not a theory and it's not just happy little clouds to escape to. It is actually a very real thing that we are walking in. The God we serve is a very real God, and he is very real in his presence in our life. He is very real in our circumstances. And so as a result, we want to cultivate this bravery in our soul based on that as a foundation. So an example to sort of kick this off, I call this the brave Romanian example. Richard Wormbrand is one of my favorites, uh, and his wife, Sabina, I've been greatly impacted by them over the years. He was on my short list of people I wanted to meet before they died. I never did. But I feel like, you know, have you ever had that where you feel like you know someone? Uh, maybe it's because you've listened to them and their audios many times or read their books many times. But I love this man. I genuinely do. Uh, excited to meet him in heaven. Uh, but when he was first arrested, he, he made a stand, a public stand. Uh, which cost him dearly. And uh, he stood for Christ when it appeared that everyone else was going to sit and be silent. And that stand caused him to be prisoner number one in Romania when the communists came in to begin to cow and to quiet and to silence uh, the Christian community. And uh, so this isn't an exact quote, but it's very close. When he was being threatened that he was going to be made an example and that he was going to be brought back before those same pastors and he would, uh, you know, be willing to acknowledge that he had made a mistake and what he said was wrong. Uh, and they told him all these horrible things they were going to do to him uh, until he would change his mind and actually become a proponent of the communist regime. And Richard Wormbrandt's response was something quite Amazing. And I would say this is a doom proofed response. When you're hearing doom spoken over you, when you're being told of all the terrible things that are going to happen to you, how do you respond? Listen to this. Feel my pulse. If my heart is racing because of your threats, you will know that there is no God. Wow. Okay, now that is something very, very special. And I want you to just sort of reach out spiritually and say, Lord, whatever that is, I would like that. I'm going to call it the triumphant mindset that no matter what is happening in this world, you rise above it. And I've used the illustration in many different talks that I've given about eagles, that eagles have a strength in their wings to actually rise above uh, the storm uh, clouds that are, are coming. And so a storm can really be there. And so that's a fact. There is a storm. However, you have two choices as an eagle. You could be beneath the storm and getting drenched by it, or you could actually push above it and rise above it. And that is the triumphant attitude. It's a different angle or a different perspective on the same reality. And as believers, we have strengthened our wings to actually rise above the current crisis and look at it from a heavenly perspective instead of an earthly one. In an earthly perspective, you get drenched. 
and it's rather rough down there. However, when you rise up to the heavenly perspective and you remember that Jesus Christ is enthroned on high and all things are beneath his feet and he has been given the name above all names, you know what? It changes your perspective. And that's very, very significant and very, very important for the times in which we live right now. So a very simple way of describing the triumphant mindset is doom-proofed. So here's what a doom-proofed Christian might say. I don't know if you've ever heard something like this before. Feel my pulse, says the doom-proofed Christian. If my heart is racing because of your threats, you will know there is no God. Could you imagine if we as the Church of Jesus Christ started behaving like that, thinking like that, talking like that, living like that? Watch out world. Unshakable, immovable. Two qualities that I would say if if I could just reach out and grab certain qualities and just stick them in my life, these are near the top. Uh, when you feel vulnerable to the events and the changing world around you, the, uh, the strains and the stresses, the financial aches and groans, the world crises like war and threats of wars and rumors of wars, you know, these things can shake you. And however, if you knew that you could hear any news, that anything could happen in this world and you could be unshakable, that you could be unmovable in the midst of that, wouldn't you be interested in that? Especially considering that God promises that. It comes with the territory of being a believer. Wow, you don't want to leave that on the counter, do you? Proverbs 30, 24, and then verse 26. There are four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. The conies are but a feeble folk, yet they make their houses in the rocks. So another uh, translation might say rock badgers, but I like that. The conies are but a feeble folk. Doesn't that describe us? Don't you feel feeble in the midst of these times? You feel so small. I have felt very small in the midst of most of the things that are happening. I think the devil has whispered that to me more than almost any other thing over the past couple of years. You're small. What could you do? And yet the conies, or I could say the Christians, are but a feeble folk. Yet they're also described in Proverbs 30 as exceeding wise. Why? They make their houses in the rocks. It sounds pretty similar to what a Christian does, doesn't it? You shall not be moved forever. I love that scripture. But then I have a subtitle on the screen here. When you make your house in the rock. You see, the promise that we have that we shall not be moved forever is based on an idea. And that is that we have been planted, that we have found our refuge in our God. When we find our refuge, when we find our home in our God... Well, then we are like the conies. We may be a feeble folk, but we are exceeding wise. And we will not be moved forever. So Psalm 112, 6 through 8. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. I, I, there's certain lines in there that have been huge in my life. And so as I read that, I, I feel like I'm, uh, you know, reminiscing on some of my childhood favorite moments. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. That's been a big one for Leslie and I. 
Because have you ever had it where you feel like bad news is on the wind, even if you haven't heard it yet, and you just sort of embracing yourself for it? You see, those are evil tidings. And what does it say? He shall not be afraid of them. See, it doesn't matter what news may come to you, what uh, future things could be right around the bend. Some massive thing could be just right around the bend that is bad news in the world's mind. And yet you do not fear it. So you shall not be moved forever. You shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Your heart, that center of your being is fixed on rock, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he see his desire upon his enemies. You know what? That's a great scripture. Psalm 112, 6 through 8. Matthew 7, another one that has to do with this immovable and shakable concept. Whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. Sort of like the conies who are exceeding wise. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. So in this one, it's talking about rain descending, floods coming and winds blowing. You see, those could be translated into wars or rumors of wars. Those could be, those could be translated into financial crises. Those could, those could be translated into plagues and pandemics. It makes no difference. When they beat against that house, which is built upon a rock, it will not be moved. It will not be shaken. It will not collapse. It's a brave house. In the cleft of the rock. That's a phrase that some of you may recognize from the story of Moses. Here's the scripture in Ezekiel uh, 33:22. I think it's actually Exodus 33:22. Sorry about that, guys. I will put you in the cleft of the rock. And that's God speaking to Moses. But I'd sort of like it to be applied to each of us. Imagine God saying that to you right in the middle of right now, in this time in history. I will put you in the cleft of the rock. What is going to pass by may be too great for you. You may not be able to physically, mentally, emotionally handle it. But I'm greater than that. And so I will hide you in the rock. And so when this great thing passes by, you will be kept and you will be, you will be solid and immovable in the midst of it. Psalm 46, 1 through 2. Uh, you know, arguably, you know, when people ask me what my favorite scripture is, it's hard not to say this one. Of course, you almost want to just say the Bible because there's so many great moments in it. But this is this is really dear and precious to my soul. God is our refuge. He's our cleft in the rock. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, as a result of that fact, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Can you think of something more extreme than the earth being removed? I, I mean, some of you who don't live around mountains might think, well, you know, the mountains could be carried in the midst of the sea. That's not a very big deal. Well, in Colorado, where I live, that would be a very big deal, right? But the earth being removed and the, this writer is saying, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, because of that fact that we are hidden in the cleft of the rock, we have built our home like the conies, though we be a feeble folk, we have made our house in the rock. And therefore, as a result of this, we will not fear. Even though the worst could happen, whatever that state or that condition of soul is, that condition of mental strength is, we want it. Ephesians 6.16, the shield of faith 
with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. So this is right in stride, you know, with the armor of God, you're, you have all these wonderful attributes, but there is one that above all you want to take it up and it's the shield of faith. And what does that shield of faith do? It's like a refuge. It's a rock house that you're entering into. It's a shield. And when you take up this shield, you quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one that are aimed right at you. In other words, the enemy could have darts aimed straight at you. And guess what? Every single one of them will be quelled because you are in a house of rock. Beware the doom carriers near you. Now, it is possible that you yourself are a doom carrier. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see as we progress through this. However, if you're not a doom carrier or you even are, the reason you could even become a doom carrier is because people carry doom to you. Just watching the news. The, the news is a doom carrier. That's a great way of describing it. The news uh, almost always just has bad news to give. That's what it gives. And that's doom. Uh, what's, how is that helping you, right? So here, here's some phrases, some common phrases of doom carriers. Yeah, this spells the beginning of the end. How about this one? Yeah, the economy is going to crash. Here's another one. The wholesale persecution on Christians is about to begin. The bad guys are growing stronger and stronger and nothing can stop them. There is no more hope in future. You see, even if there's, those aren't direct quotes or totally accurate, they enunciate something that many of us have heard over and over and over again. And some of us are guilty of saying it. Now, here's what's funny. Some of you would say, well, what if it's true? It could be true. However, there's different lenses that you could wear. Like I said, there could be a storm in the world, uh, but you could be below it and be soaked and saturated by it, or you could rise above it and look at it from a heavenly mindset. And so as a result, though it could be true that an economy is going to crash, we don't need to look at that as a negative. We don't need to look at that as the world coming to an end. The end of the world is, the, is not the end of our life. And so as a result, when people make statements like the end of the world, that should be a good time for us. The last days, you know, when you ever hear that phrase, that should be a positive statement. It's the last days of the enemy, not us. We're not going anywhere. We're in Christ. We're constant for all eternity with him. We have capital L life. And so as a result, these mentalities that we have adopted that are very earthly and mortal in their nature, when we have been bought with a price, we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the dear son. And we have that capital L life forever and always. And death no longer has a sting. The grave has no more ability to hold us. In other words, what do we have to fear? We have only good things uh, to come. And as a result, we do not function as doom carriers. The irrationality of fear. Now, some of you have never thought about fear being an irrational thing. However, it is a very irrational thing, uh, especially if you are in the cleft of the rock. Why would you fear the things of the world if you are in Christ? If nothing can actually bust through Christ, if, if that shield of faith repels all the fiery darts of the evil one and you find yourself secure in Christ, why would you fear uh, and that's exactly what the Bible is going to ask over and over and over again. I, I think that command to not fear is one of the most replete in all of Scripture. So here's an illustration. Why would I fear a snowstorm? Now, there's a big if to this, because if I was a homeless person on the streets living under a bridge, 
you know, it actually can make sense that I would fear a snowstorm, right? Because I don't have a home. But if I have a home, and if I am in a furnace-heated, insulated, energy-efficient home, should I fear a snowstorm? Actually, I can get excited about it. You know, we sing White Christmas, and we're hoping for snow to fall. We're hoping for the big snowstorm on December 24th here in America. That's just part of our tradition, right? And so isn't it ironic that something that could be doomed to someone is actually a beautiful thing to someone else and leads us to sing? Uh, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. I mean, this is like exciting stuff to us. You see, it's a flip on the same notion. So here's the same idea, and I want you to see if you can swallow this. Why would I fear a war, a financial disaster, a plague, or any other dark specter if... I am in Jesus Christ. You see, if you are in the one who preserves you in and through every challenge, every difficulty, grants you grace to thrive in every single situation, why would you fear? So I'm going to give you two options. Becoming a perfume carrier instead of a doom carrier. Now, perfume and doom are supposed to rhyme. I don't know if it translates as well as I sort of had in my mind. I had a little chuckle when I put that together. Perfume, doom, I don't know if it's the perfect rhyme there. However, you have to choose between the two. You see, you're meant to be a carrier of some something, but you weren't meant to be a carrier of doom. Bad news is being carted all over this world right now. We don't need another bad news carrier, a doom carrier. We need a perfume carrier. So listen to 2 Corinthians 2. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved among, and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death and to the other the aroma of life leading to life. See, there are going to be some that aren't too uh, impressed with our perfume. However, to those that are being led to life, this is what they need right now. You are not meant to be the smell of death in this world. You are meant to be the smell of life. There is hope and you are the carrier of it. We need to remember that, that there is a hope and a future for all of us that believe. Stop focusing on what the devil is pointing at and focus on what God is doing. We are called to diffuse good news, not bad news. Isn't that an interesting thought? I know some of you might think I'm just Pollyanna right now, thinking all sorts of positive, happy thoughts. However, this is what the Bible teaches us. We are bearers of good news. That's actually what the gospel is. We are bearers of that which is very happy, very life-giving, very full of joy. That is what we are talking about. We're not talking about doom and gloom. We're talking about what Christ has done and what he desires to do for everyone in this world. Yes, there is a negative side to that if you reject it and if you forsake it. But that's a doom that we are trying to lift people out of, not squash them into. And so as a result, for those of you that have been spending all your time thinking about bad news, and you've been spending all your energy speaking bad news into this world, whether it's conspiracy theories or whether it's you know the horrible things that are happening in this world and what it portends for all of us as believers— you know, I'm not even going to argue that we can go through difficulties as a believer. That is 
part and parcel of what it means to be a believer. However, when even we go through challenges and difficulties, we turn them into exercise equipment and grow stronger. It grows patience in us, which is why we consider it pure joy. Our perspective has to align with the king's. And therefore, we are not supposed to be doom carriers. We're meant to be doom proofed. We're supposed to be carriers of the light. God's blessings. I hope you have a great day. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellersley.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.